One of the best ways to prevent a tick bite is to apply a tick repellent before going outdoors. Although this seems like a simple solution, many people hesitate to make this a regular part of their routine. Two Canadian entrepreneurs are trying to change that and have developed a tick repellent for people and pets, as well as outdoor spaces like backyards, playgrounds, and even golf courses. Lisa Learning is an Indigenous entrepreneur who grew up in Labrador and is the founder of Atlantic Repellent Products. When Lisa wasn't satisfied with the synthetic tick repellents that were available for her family, she took matters into her own hands to create a natural botanical product for the Canadian market. Nancy Thompson is her business partner who coordinates the scientific research. We reached Lisa in Blockhouse, Nova Scotia, and Nancy is joining us from Squamish, British Columbia. Welcome to our podcast, Lisa and Nancy. Thank you. Thanks so much. Well, let's start with you, Lisa, to learn more about the evolution of your business, and then we can dive into the science with Nancy. Lisa, how did you become interested in creating a tick repellent? Well, um, I've been an entrepreneur pretty much my whole life, and I've had a variety of different types of businesses. But this came about uh, from a personal situation. Uh, we moved to Mahone Bay, Nova Scotia, and uh, a neighbor warned us about the ticks, but I didn't pay much attention to it because I didn't understand what ticks and Lyme and all that really was until uh, my boys started getting swollen knees and swollen ankles. Um, we took them to the hospital. It was, a, it was a mystery. We didn't know what was going on. And then it got to the point where my oldest boy uh, at the time, he was 11, he couldn't um, walk anymore because he was in so much pain. So it, it was terrifying because when you don't know what's going on and the doctors don't know what's going on and then your son, who's only young, can't walk, you know, it, it, was, it was quite life-altering. But luckily, we did end up finding out that it was Lyme and they did get treated. Uh, but then I found out that you can get Lyme over and over again. So them being young boys and, and wanting to play outdoors... And me being a protective mom and, you know, wanting them to play, but I was a little scared. Uh, I started to look around for a, a tick repellent and I didn't want to put DEET on them, but I couldn't find anything on the, the market that was um, natural and proven, uh, a natural proven tick spray. So I basically, I didn't want to go to a farmer's market. There's lots there and that nothing wrong with farmer's markets, but if there, there was no scientific uh, evidence behind it. It was all anecdotal. So I just started doing my own research. And I, I don't have a science background, but you don't need a science background to read the uh, to read the research papers and the synapses and all that stuff. So that's what mm. I started doing. And I figured out what essential oils repelled ticks the most from previous studies. Then I figured out what oils were best for your skin, etc., and I came up with my own formulas. I came up with three formulas originally. And then later on, I paired up with Acadia University because while I'd done my own research, I'm not a scientist. And I needed that scientific, you know, background from somebody. So uh, I paired up with Acadia University and we started to work on tick sprays and, uh, and explore different options and started studying ticks. And then that's about the time that uh, Nancy and I hooked up again, because we're both from the same hometown and grew up together, more or less. But we hadn't really talked in about 20 years. 
And uh, Lyme brought us together because Nancy uh, gave me a call. And with Nancy's background and and, uh, her project management background, et cetera, it worked out extremely well because she jumped into the picture. And then basically uh, we just started to uh, come up with different ideas. And uh, uh, Nicoletta at Acadia, she um, helped us formulate a a formula and we since went on to create other formulas but basically long story short it was because of my boys and I just needed to have something oh, for them yeah. that I felt safe putting on them absolutely and you know I just really do want to acknowledge how difficult that must be I, I mean I know about Lyme through my own personal experience but watching your children suffer is just a whole other level of suffering so I'm yeah. I'm, I'm glad you took an awful situation and made it into something really meaningful And um, I'm just curious, what are some of the challenges that you've had to overcome in creating and selling your products? Well, in the beginning, uh, I thought it was going to be a fairly easy process. Uh, When I found out that it needs to be registered with Health Canada, uh, I thought, okay, no problem. And then I (laughs) get into my computer and I open it up and I Google, you know, how do you do this? And I get on the Health Canada page and I was like, I just looked at it and went, oh, dear God. I, it was a it was a whole different language, so I literally I in my home bay is a town full of self employed people, and I literally went around to different businesses saying, "Hey guys, I don't know what I'm going to do here. Do you know anyone with a science background, etc." So one of them gave me a phone number of a lady from Acadia Entrepreneurship. I came home, I gave her a call. She wasn't there because it was lunchtime. I left a message, closed you know closed my phone opened my computer and Leanne Strathy was the lady I called and Leanne Strathy was sending me an email message <laughs> the same time I was calling her asking me how to buy my spray. So <laughs> That's a great was, coincidence. <laughs> oh my God, it was weird. But she put me in front of a whole bunch of different departments and different people because she didn't know how to help me either. So I presented my case to everybody and then one of them in there uh, Lee from ICE is the acronym. Uh, she said, Oh, I think I know who can help you. So Dr. Nicoletta Ferrone had just started working there, I believe three months prior. And she just, she was, she's a biochemist, something Nancy will fill all that in, but she's a biochemist and she just happened to have a background with, t- uh, insects and essential oils. That is so the amazing. Stars were, <laughs> now I wish I could say, and, and that's in the end, the tick, the spray was registered. It wasn't. It took about five years of a lot of ups and downs. I've said to Nancy before, it was like, uh, it's like a bad relationship. It's, uh, it was like a bad relationship because right when you think everything's going good, (laughs) oh, this is great. All of a sudden you turn around and man, it just crashes and you feel like you're going to cry. Wow. But you persisted. Five years is a long time. It is, but I've got that kind of personality, I guess, where I just can't give up on something. So fair enough. Anyway. (laughs) Now, can you tell me how people use the Atlantic repellents in the dryer? Because I know we've talked about that on our show before that when you come inside, you know, you might want to put your clothes in the dryer for 10, 15 minutes to remove any ticks that might be you might be bringing into your house. But I think you guys do something different too, don't you? Yeah. So basically, uh, to kill ticks, Ticks are resilient little buggers, Mm -hmm. and they've been around since the dinosaur age. So they're here to stay. So when you come in and you take off your clothes, you throw them in the dryer because high heat can kill them, and and you want it to be dry heat. 
what the what the wool dryer balls do basically well you put the the scent on them as well to try to get a bit of that scent in your clothes and in the dryer but it also makes sure that your clothes is being separated as it's going around the dryer and make sure it gets the, those ticks that might be in the little crevices, et cetera. It's just an extra added protection is all it is. And then you can always go through your lint filter to see how many you found. <laughs> oh, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes. yep. um, can your Can your products be used on pets? That's something I've had people ask me about for um, for their animals. We have ticks out here on Vancouver Island already and a friend of mine had found a number of ticks on her dogs and was saying, you know, what do I do? And I said, hey, I think I know the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> so with Health Canada, the, the spray is registered for humans. Okay. Uh, but the oils that we use are safe on dogs and horses. So we get people who use it for their horses because we sell it in the big 500 mil bottles. And, and they use it on their dogs. Now, I have a dog. I use it on Bella. She hates it. <laughs> Absolutely hates the smell, but she knows if she's going to go outside, she's got to put it on. So she just kind of puts her head down. She takes it. And then also you can do extra things too. Like you can get, uh, we've got lava band collars. So the lava, see, when you spray it on yourself, you know, you're good for a few hours. But if you want that added little bit of, especially dog, dogs roll around in the ground, they're running around as soon as they start to sweat or if their mouth goes down near the ground, et cetera. The, the little ticks, they don't have eyes. They can only smell and they're going to smell you. So if you put something like a lava band collar on your dog and you soak it in the, the spray, uh, that's, that scent's going to last a long time. And, and again, extra added, um, extra protection. Or if your dog has a bandana, spray it on the bandana as well as your dog. Well, that's great. That was my next question, actually, is can you, do you apply it directly to the skin or would you apply it to clothes or for your pets, their fur? You do both. Yeah. yeah. And then when it comes to their little faces, you would just put it on your own hand first and then just kind of pet them and try to get under their chin and stuff because it's the, the CO2 coming from your your dog's mouth is going to trigger the ticks as well. Mm-hmm. And just to be clear, I, I don't know if I... So you worked with Health Canada for five years and you actually did get your product registered, right? Um, last, yes. Last year, I think. Last fall? Yes. Okay. So if people want, they can see that you've got a registered number and they're good to go. Absolutely. And we'll be shouting it out come spring. That's great. Well, we'll help you (laughs) shout it out too. (laughs) Um, Great. Now, can your products be used in the outdoors, like in your yard or in your garden? Or I know I saw that some people might use it in golf courses because that's honestly the reason I don't like golfing is going to look for the ball in the bushes. I know. Well, there's there's we've got a couple things on the go. So the spray, the personal spray, the insect repellent, a lot of golfers use it because we give we sell it in the small 60 mil bottles. You throw it in your backpack, your golf bag, whatever. And uh, it, you just put it on yourself because it's it's going to keep when you got to go in the woods, make sure you're sprayed. And then those ticks aren't going to be shouldn't be interested in you and, and mosquitoes, too, luckily. Mm-hmm. But with what we're doing in the background is we're also I mean, we started out with just doing the personal spray. But then, of course, as as Nancy and I went on, you know, and ideas generate because we don't want to just leave it at that because it's exactly like you're saying, like, you know, I don't want to go out in my yard. In my front yard, I live in a town, and in my front yard, the deer are always there in the evenings dropping off ticks for us. Mm-hmm. So 
We went, uh, we've come up with a couple of different uh, ground treatments that will kill the ticks, but is still environmentally friendly. Wow, that's great. And, uh, so it does actually yeah, kill the ticks. It doesn't just repel them. That's right. Wow. Yeah. And then we're also working on uh, a, a few other things for your clothing and different things like that. And like, I won't get in too much into that. But again, that's a Nancy thing more than me thing. But uh, we have a few things going on because we don't want to leave it at just the personal tick spray. We've got a lineup of other stuff that we want to keep putting out because I don't want anybody else to go through mm -hmm. that sickening feeling that we went through with uh, with my sons. So absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, we'll post links to your website and some of the information that we're referencing today. Where can people buy your products? They can buy it uh, in a variety of different stores across Canada. Uh, we uh, we have, I believe, every province. We may not have Saskatchewan, but we got pretty much every province. That's um, great. Covered. Well <laughs> Mind done. you, you know, there's loads of room for expansion. We have Nova Scotia and the Atlantic provinces. We're spreading quite quickly here, and uh, but we really want to put a put a push further out west from from the Atlantic provinces but you can buy it so you can buy it at stores you can buy it at um, PetSmart Sobeys but you can also buy it online from our online store and we do know how painful shipping is so we only have a flat rate of $6.99 no matter what you buy unless you're buying something that can go in an envelope and that's free but anything else uh, it's flat rate to try to make it pretty easily accessible to people. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you so much. And now let's uh, jump over to Nancy. And Nancy, I know you have a background in quality control, and I know you've been working with a lot of scientists conducting research. I'm curious to know more about tick behavior and the science behind these products. Uh, so what kind of research has Atlantic been involved in? And I know, I, I know Lisa kind of introduced some of that, but let's take it over to you. <laughs> Well, um, <clears throat> excellent question. And we have, I feel like at this point, after five years, we've kind of been uh, working in a few different directions. But as far as the research goes, because of the different products that we have in development. But as we're doing this work, we are discovering so much about the physiology of ticks and how they work. And so... Um, a number of the are there have been a number of articles, uh, peer-reviewed scientific articles that have been published uh, since we began this work with Acadia to share that information with the rest of the scientific world. So I, I'm not sure if you want me to tell you specifically what some of those bits are, but it is. Oh, sure. Yeah, I'd be sure. happy to. Like I, I did read through some of the articles you sent me and. Uh, one of them was really long, but I know that one of them was referencing like chemosensory sensilla, like different well, tick parts, it. right? So it, it's hard to explain exactly mm -hmm. what we're doing in ways that are really um, understandable and accessible. But um, what we are trying to do is try to understand exactly how ticks sense people. And so one of the things that um, one of the really fabulous, exciting things that are <laughs> Dr. Nicoletta uh, Ferrone was doing last year in this process was, or maybe it was the year before, but uh, putting electrodes into the brains of the ticks to see how they respond to different stimuli. Wow. And, yeah, and and so we've we've done loads of um, loads of work for quite some time 
that has contributed again to like understanding how the uh, Haller's organs work on the front legs and um, and also how how the uh, natural ingredients that we're interested in impact ticks in general. So yeah, it's it's there's a lot in there. It's really fascinating stuff. Um, and I think from it, we've learned so much that we can actually develop these really great new products as well as help other people to understand how they're at risk around ticks. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of what we talk, well, a lot, a lot of what we do with Atlantic is try to educate the public um, because we, even though Lyme is really, um, you know, prominent in our own lives, we know that it's really not in the face of everybody across the country. And we we think it should be because we know it's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, indiscriminate. Ticks will, they'll bite anybody. Anybody who has a blood meal ready for them and that they can access at the, you know, in the moment that they're questing on the top of the blade of grass or or whatever um, short vegetation that they're on, they're going to go for the same things every time. So if we know that, we can help people prepare themselves to prevent those interactions. We like to tell people always to wear, I mean, I know this is not the most comfortable idea on a hot (laughs) day, but the more you can keep covered, the better. Um, You know, closed-toed shoes, things like that. These are some really basic um, safety safety uh, tips, but they're very, very important. Not going off trail into really overgrown areas. Ticks are really um, temperature-specific in that they, they still need some moisture to be alive. Uh, they don't like super, super hot areas, so they probably won't go to like um, the middle of the lawn where it's mowed uh, where grass is mowed down and they would be more exposed. So they tend to hide in areas that are a little bit more moist, um, shady, and certainly overgrown. Um, you know, so we say keep on trails, be vigilant around your wood piles, things like that. But be aware also that they are attracted by scent. Scent right. is their primary hunting tool. So and and they're they're like Lisa said they're looking for CO two, mm-hmm. um, which is why children and dogs or you know animals are often the uh, population that in, that seems to acquire these the tick bites the most because they're shorter they're they're breathing right into the areas and they're rambunctious right they're right. running off trail they're running all over the place into the areas that they might more likely encounter. Um, encounter ticks. Yeah, yeah, well, it's great that really the research is not only looking at the physiology, but also the behavior of the ticks as well as, you know, different habitats. And I think yes. I remember reading in one of them that, you know, that they're sort of looking at the difference between, like, is there a difference between testing ticks on humans versus man-made, you know, surfaces? Like a tick crawling up a leg is going to be different than a tick crawling up like a glass plate in the lab or something like that. <laughs> Absolutely. And and I mean, it is also important to know that part of the product development that we do, it does incorporate an element of human trials, right? Mm-hmm. So in order for us to prove that these things are effective, um, 
we have to test them on humans. And, and so uh, <laughs> those are controlled tests that are always like, you know, passed through um, ethics boards to make sure we're, we're doing things appropriately. Of course. But, yeah. but absolutely. No, we've, we've got some seriously brave volunteers. Of course, we don't, we use completely clean. Uh, right. But of the, of the species that we're looking at, um, multiple species typically as specifically black-legged or exodes scapularis, but absolutely we look at the dog tick as well. It's another really prominent one across the country that does spread uh, Rocky Mountain spotted fever and a lot of other things that are quite detrimental. And I, if I could take a second and just say, yeah, of course, we are absolutely aware. I mean, I, I've had Lyme, my son, it's, you know, this is personal Lyme, but We've also dealt with co-infections of Lyme. So exactly. it's one of those things that you may not know about until you end up having a case of Lyme. But typically, if you're going to be bitten by a tick and acquire one of these things, it's usually not on its own. The pathogens are often bundled. And so we are trying to help people not just avoid Lyme, but avoid up to, I think, 18, 20 pathogens at mm -hmm. this point that, are, that can be quite detrimental. Absolutely. Now, mm -hmm. I know that essential oils are the main ingredients you're using in your products, which is great to have a natural alternative to um, synthetics. And mm -hmm. what are some of the active ingredients? Or maybe you can tell our listeners, I don't know, about terpenes or about, you know, some of the um, essential oils like lemongrass or geranium um, mm -hmm. that you've been using in your products. Mm -hmm. Well, it is the terpenes um, in particular. Those are the basically the scent molecules in uh, essential oils. Um, and so, and, you know, they break down into different varieties of their own and those and they all have different properties. But um, essential oils are and, and the ones that we're looking at, which are very basically obnoxious, the, the most incredibly obnoxious smell for a tick. They're actually <laughs> beautiful smells for us. Right. <laughs> humans. But for a tick, they are the exact smells that um, cause them to basically recoil and they will, it creates a barrier between you and, um, and the tick, a scent barrier that ticks are absolutely not willing to cross. Uh, but it is the terpenes that create those scents and the oils that we look at are ones that are known to have particularly um, effective uh, tick and other insect repellency mm -hmm. properties. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and Le so, lemon eucalyptus. That was another one I saw in the research. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And they do often tend to fall in that um, sort of that more, um, uh, I wasn't going to say pungent, it's very powerful. They're very, very strong smells, and they often fall into the more antiseptic kind of uh, category of right. smells um, for essential oils. Yeah. Um, and then I, you know, I just remember I was a tree planter in my 20s. I remember being out in the woods and we smothered ourselves in DEET because that was the only thing back then. And we all knew how toxic it was, and yet we would put it all over our clothing and then, you know, not wash your hands before eating meals. And anyways, um, for tree planters out there, I hope they're listening to this so they know that there's another option too. And uh, I just think it's great for children and animals and, and the planet to, to have better options like this that are, are not having long lasting 
toxic impacts on us all. (laughs) Absolutely, Sarah. And if I could just say one more thing, that's a really big differentiator between um, what we're doing and and the deep-based products that are out there. I know that deep-based products are, you know, the old standard for for, um, repellency with, with both, you know, the American and the Canadian federal governments. But um, at this point, there's so many other impacts that are just not that are just so destructive, like the fact that it's on pretty much every water surface in the pl- exactly the planet, you know, things like that. But what people also don't know is that DEET itself is a, a um, degrades plastic. And so any polymer, uh, if you're spraying DEET over yourself to keep um, anything away mm-hmm. and then you have, for example, like polyester in your clothing, or you're wearing, you have camping gear that has anything that has got a polymer in it, um, or safety gear at work. We have folks who are, you know, out working on power lines, sure. and they, they're putting DEET over themselves. And because they have DEET just on their bodies, being in proximity of the power lines, it is melting the rubber coating on the power lines, it's melting fabrics and clothing, it's melting all kinds of safety and, and general gear. So it's, it's, it is an actual problem in that I think in a lot of cases, people think they're safer than they are. Right. With, with DEET, but it also is creating uh, sort of another, you know, environmental catastrophe at the same time. Personally, I th- oh I- no, I get it. I think I'm still detoxing from it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, well, I think we'll wrap up this interview. But do either of you have any closing comments for our listeners, uh, especially for parents out there wanting to make sure whether they're parents of children or animals? Um, any closing comments for them? Uh, I think I would say basically just it- it's important you protect yourself. Uh, it might be a bit of a pain in the butt to to spray yourself before you go out or try to remember to spray your dog, et cetera. But it's a heck of a lot easier than having to deal with Lyme. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Ticks don't discriminate. So you need to make sure you're being vigilant. And, and everybody is at risk. And we have seen cases across the country. So I would say, yeah, be vigilant every day. Do your daily tick checks. I think those are awesome closing comments. Thank you both so much for your time. Thank you for your determination and seeing this through and making sure that, you know, the science is getting published. And I just hope you continue to have more people coming in and feeding the synergy of your whole project. Uh, Congratulations on your hard work. Thank Thank you. And thank you so much for spreading the word. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, ladies. loved learning about the evolving scientific research and also that great message that ticks don't discriminate, so be vigilant. This is Looking at Lyme, a podcast of the Canadian Lyme Disease Foundation, and I am your host, Sarah Cormode. Stay safe in the outdoors. <laughs>